not the first time you ever just sat out in the rain. I was thinking about while we were sitting there singing several years ago, my son played football for Georgia State and we made a trip to Arkansas and they played Arkansas State. And that particular game, the temperature, the regular temperature was in the low 30s, sometimes went down in the 20s. Outdoor stadium. Outdoor stadium with a north wind blowing about 10 to 15 miles an hour. Yeah. And there we were. I said, what kind of crazy parents are we? <laughs> you know the things you'll do for your children. That's right. That's right. But I, I made a promise. If I lived through that game, if I lived, if I didn't freeze to death, I said that was it for outdoor winter football for me. <laughs> Never again am I going to sit in the rain and watch a football game and I'm not going to sit in the cold and watch one. So before you allow the devil to dampen your spirits, think about some of the things you have done in worse conditions than this. You've sat in football games, maybe baseball games, maybe other activities, and it started raining, and you said, I paid my money, I ain't going nowhere. I think you ought to be commended. Number one, for showing up. Number two, for staying. Number three, for putting up with me for a few minutes. Up here preaching. You said, here we are sitting in the rain. But God is so good, he blesses us with a tent to keep us dry. That's right. That's right. Your shoes might be getting wet, but your feet can still be dry. So don't allow a little rain. Brother Thomas prayed, he said, just like the storms in our lives, they come and they go. So we see. They come and they go. And that's why we can't be focused on the storm around us. We need to be focused on why we're here. Amen. We need to be focused on Jesus. Amen. Why he has allowed us this opportunity to come here. There are those that are listening, not necessarily sitting under this tent, but they're listening. Yeah. And I believe it makes a very profound statement that we would not just pack up and go home. Amen. People can say whatever they want to. Yeah. If we'll sit in the cold, if we'll sit in the rain for a sports event or anything else, we should be able to sit and support the gospel call. Amen. I've been telling a few people Jesus rode on a donkey. He didn't have leather seats, cloth seats, didn't have air are none of the good things that we enjoy in this life. Jesus said he had a mission. And his mission was to do his Father's will. And I hope that I could share with you tonight something to encourage us. Even in this dampness, you know what? We don't have to allow the surrounding 
condition to take away the joy and the excitement and the purpose of why we're here and who we live for. Amen. If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 18. Yesterday, we were taking our context from John chapter 14, 6 and following, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we dealt yesterday talking about Jesus being the way. And he is the only way. Tonight, we would like to spend a little time talking about Jesus being the truth. In John chapter 18, began reading at verse 28. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate asked, Pilate said, I'm sorry, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone. They objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Verse 37. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, The reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Asked Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back. No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. From this text, we find Jesus had been rounded up, falsely accused, already been falsely charged, 
They weren't interested in a trial being held for Jesus because they said it is not lawful for us to execute someone. Well, how can you jump to execution if there's been no trial? So it tells us from the context their minds had already been made that we want to kill this man. We need him dead. We need him put to death. And furthermore, we find the governor, Pilate, who's carrying on a dialogue with Jesus, trying to sort some things out in his mind, trying to clear himself, because he came to a decision that this was an innocent man. But our focus this evening is on verse 37. Pilate responded to Jesus and said, You are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Did you all hear that? Jesus said, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Now, I want to ask a question this evening. Who are you listening to? And whose side are you on? Because you can't claim to be on the side of Jesus and not do the things that he commands you to do. Let me say that again. You can't be on the side of Jesus and not be in an alliance and be in fellowship with the things that he commands us to do. Jesus said everyone, not some, he said, but everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Well, I want to take you on a short journey this evening about something Jesus said, and then you and I need to make sure we understand whose side we're on tonight. Because many can talk a talk, but they don't walk the walk. Many confess, uh, many can confess a lot of things. But guess what? Their walk don't add up to what they're confessing or professing. The Bible teaches us that Satan himself can transform himself into an angel of light. And he can deceive but it don't make him a Christian. So maybe I'm hoping and praying not that we don't have some impersonators. Let me say that again, that we don't have any impersonators who rah, 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 Jesus, 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 but yet will leave and not do the things that he commands. Oh, come on now, come on now. So brother man, I thought you were supposed to be talking to the folks who lost. Well, it's for them too. Right. Because they need to understand whose side they're on also. That's right. yeah. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Yeah. 
Why is that so important? Because in John 14, Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the truth. I'm not a truth of other truths out there that people are talking about. Jesus said, I am the main one. I am it. What I say is final. I am what I speak and what I stand for. It's the only thing that God the Father is concerned about. And we need to concern ourselves about doing what the truth has spoken and told us to do. Did he not say, in fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. We may live in a, a world that's on the go, ripping and running and going back and forth. But let me tell you something. The only thing that matters in this life, the preacher in Ecclesiastes said a long time ago, he said, let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. You can wrap yourself up in a lot of other things in this life, but The only thing that's truly going to matter when you breathe your last breath and you stand in judgment is did you stand on the side of the truth? Turn your Bibles over to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. The Bible talks about how we worship today. Dealing with truth. John chapter 4 and we can begin at verse 21. Jesus was having a conversation with a woman and Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship you know not what. We worship what we worship. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh. And now is. When the true worshipers. True worshipers. Shall worship the father. In spirit. And in truth. For the father seeketh such. To worship him. What is it that the father seeketh? He seeketh. The truth in people. He seeketh those who worship in spirit and in truth. So if 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 you're trying to offer something to God and it's not in accordance with the truth, God don't want it. He goes on to say, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in what? And truth. And truth. We could go through a bunch of dictionary definitions about what man defines truth as being. But I'm only concerned about one definition. And that's the biblical definition. Right. That definition is found in John 17 when Jesus prayed 
Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We also find from what we just read in, in, in John 18, guess what? Jesus is the truth. I don't need Webster to tell me anything more. I don't need Bing or anybody else to tell me anything more. If you ask me, as Pilate asked, what is truth? He didn't have enough sense to recognize the truth was looking him right in the face. And it's sad that some will hear what I'm saying tonight and not recognize and are not willing to put themselves to the side to say, the Bible is right. It is the truth. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for reproof, instruction, for doctrine, reproof, instruction. Doctrine that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished Unto what? All good works. Why? Because it's the truth. And what did Jesus say in John 8? And ye shall know the truth, and the truth will do what? It'll make you free. And if the Son of God makes you free, sets you free, you are free indeed. But the only thing that can do it is the truth. You can't worship God any kind of way you want to because God is only concerned about and interested in the truth. Let me say this again. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Well, when it comes to worshiping God, God is what? He's a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, God has outlined how he wants to be worshipped. He has has it outlined in his word. God never in the New Testament, and I want to make sure you hear this, God never in the New Testament authorized a piano, an organ, tambourine, dancing, none of that stuff. But God did say what kind of praise he does accept. Ephesians 5.19 the Bible says singing making a melody in your heart unto the Lord. Singing. See what people fail to understand the voice was created before the instrument. And all instruments mimic the voice. Let me say that again. The piano didn't come before the voice. The guitar didn't come before the voice. The voice was here before the piano, the organ, the tambourine, the saxophone, the synthesizer, and all of that. So to eliminate distractions and to make sure that you're truly spiritually connected when you worship God, God did away with the mechanical instruments from the Old Testament and he said, I want you to sing making a melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, where do you get play out of singing? 
Some say, well, it don't hurt. It adds to, it enhances. God don't want you to enhance it with something other than what he gave you to do. He gave the commandment, singing, sing, sing. The word doesn't say pluck, bang, play, shake, rattle, roll. It says sing. And I'm not not trying to be disrespectful to anybody, but I am teaching the truth. And you have to understand, it was the truth that Jesus spoke that got him crucified. Yeah, yeah. But I hope and pray that people wouldn't have the hearts that those Jews and those uh, chief priests and rulers had back then. I would hope and pray people would say, I didn't know that. I would love to study more about that. And I would like to learn more because where I go to church, they never taught that. People are so caught up in talking about getting their praise on. Some would ask, well, how do you get your praise on if you don't have the drums, if you don't have the guitars, if you don't have the tambourines and all of that? How do you get your praise on? Well, it's in the Bible. Believe it or not, the Bible teaches us and instructs us and tells us how to get your praise on and God approves of it. Turn your Bible over to Hebrews chapter 13. Yeah. The Bible teaches us that we are to sing and the Bible teaches us that there is a way that we can get our praise on and do it in a way that's pleasing and acceptable unto God. So what we need to understand, we need to stay in the Bible and we need to see what God authorizes. I think I'm in the right chapter. I'm looking over something. 13.15. Yes, sir. Thank you, brother. Yeah. The Bible says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of what? Praise, praise to God continually. There's the instruction to praise, right? right. Well, if God wants us to do something, don't you think he will also tell us how to do it? He didn't leave it up to us how to get our praise on to glorify him. Let's read this again. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How? Continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. So if you want to get your praise on, do it the way God authorizes by singing. Amen. Amen. See, it, it, it amazes me. You hear some of these religious groups. They playing all this music. They got all this stuff going on. But nothing turns them on more than when the song director or the choir director said, let's sing it a cappella. And boy, folks just scream and holler because they say, oh, that's some beautiful singing. It is. That's right. It is. That's right. And it's so beautiful you need to lay those instruments down. Amen. And just sing and praise God the way He said, do it. Amen. 
But y'all be on my quiet tonight. I'm telling the truth. The truth shall make you free. So if you, you want to get your praise on, you get it on by singing, making a melody in your heart unto the Lord. Colossians 3, 16 and 17. The Bible teaches us something about singing. One of your brothers get that. The Bible teaches us that the command given as New Testament Christians, New Testament Christians, the reason why that's so important, you can't live under the old covenant anymore because Jesus was nailed to the cross and he did away with it. Now, I'm not saying we don't believe in the Old Testament, but there were things done under the Old Testament we don't do today. When the last time you stoned somebody? When the last time you killed a goat? Open it as a sacrifice unto God. A lot of things that were done under the old covenant that we don't do today. And there's no need or purpose of doing it today because Jesus came and fulfilled that which was necessary. So now that's why we are considered New Testament Christians because a better covenant is in place. And that covenant came by way of God giving his best. And having him to come down to this earth and lay down his life for you and me. Colossians 3, 16, 17, the Bible says what? Let the word of Christ Christ dwell in you you how? Richly. Richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one one another, and psalms and hymns, and spiritual psalms, psalms, playing with grace in your heart, plucking with grace in your heart, singing with grace in your heart, singing, there it is again, hold on, there it is again, singing. Nowhere in the New Testament does it authorize you to add anything to what is written. John wrote in the Revelation letter, he said, you don't add anything. Chapter 21, you don't add anything to what is written in this book. And you don't take away anything. If you do, you're going to suffer the plagues that are written in this book. So singing, what else? With grace in your heart heart, to the Lord. Lord. Now, our singing is supposed to be focused on glorifying God. Am I right? Well, if I'm going to glorify God and my singing is supposed to be focused on God, shouldn't I sing and do it the way God say do it? You know, people have gotten killed for trying to offer stuff to God that God didn't authorize. You all remember Nadab in the bayou? Y'all remember those two boys? God instructed them to do something and he told them what kind of fire and then they decided they offered a strange fire. And God struck them dead. Now you may say, fire is fire. No, it's not. Not when God tells you what kind he wants. God has, God has hurt people for not doing things the way he say do it. That's right. Cain and Abel. Yeah. God told Cain and Abel to offer a sacrifice. Yeah. 
He told both of them. They knew what to offer. Cain offered his. Where Abel offered his, God accepted it. Cain offered what he wanted to. And God rejected it. Cain got upset. Cain got so furious, Cain killed his brother. And God asked Cain, why did you kill you? Why have why have your countenance fallen? Did I not tell you the same thing? He asked, Where's your brother? He said, Am I my brother's keeper? Get smart with God. That tell you right there, we're crazy. But you know what? Cain wasn't no crazier than some of us today. Because some of us know better in some things that we're doing and we know God has not approved it or authorized it and we do it anyway. Some of us show up for worship when we want to. When the Bible said, Hebrew 10, 24, 25, forsaken, not what? The assembly of ourselves together. Well, he'll understand. I got other things to do. What can be more important than fulfilling and obeying what God has commanded? God told Cain, you know what? I'm going to curse you. I'm going to curse you. And folks, God put a curse on that boy. God told Cain, Cain was a a worker of the field, of the tiller, of the ground. God told Cain, any ground you Till you touch, it ain't gonna produce nothing. Right. Nothing's gonna grow. That's right. When God got to explaining to Cain about the curse, Cain said, Won't you just kill me and get it over with? God said, No, no, no. No. And Cain thought about it. He said, Well, what if somebody killed me? God said, Ain't nobody gonna kill you. Because I'm gonna mark you in such a way, everybody gonna know you curse. Right. And if somebody wants to bother you, I'm going to kill them. Right. You said, Brother Mabel, that's over in the Old Testament. Jesus said, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. But Jesus also says, you know what? It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's a fearful thing. So when you talk about worshiping God, when you're talking about the truth, the truth is in accordance to what we read in the Bible. Not based upon what I think, not based upon what I feel, not based upon how good something might sound. The truth is what matters to God if you want it to be acceptable. So you can debate it all day, but the only praise God is going to accept, according to the Bible, is by the fruit of our lips. Is that what your Bible says? Let's talk about something else concerning the truth. Communion. Communion. Now, the Bible specifically says upon the first day of the week, Acts 20 and 7, 
that the disciples came together and break bread. Yeah. Upon when? First day of the week, which is Sunday. We know that. There's no debate about that unless you're a seven-day Adventist. The Bible says upon the first day of the week, the disciples came together to break bread. If we know the first day of the week is the day the disciples came together to commune. Yeah. That's the same breaking bread. Yeah. It says upon the first day. How many first days of the week are there? And most months there are four. Sometimes there are five. That's right. But my point is simply this. Jesus nor God nor the Holy Spirit never said just the first Sunday. Just the second Sunday. Well, who changed it? Did God authorize the change? When you look at something that is so, so meaningful to God, we're talking about communing with God, remembering the great gift that he offered, that we could be uh, reconciled back on the man by giving of his only begotten son. He came down to this world he bled, suffered, died. He was, he was just treated worse than worse can imagine. Suffer. And now we have a commandment to say, upon the first day of the week, I want you to remember what I went through. This do in remembrance of me. I bled. I suffered. I went through all types of humiliating things. They, they struck me down. They whipped me. Yeah, yeah. They put a crown of thorns into my head. Yeah. And now I want you upon the first day of the week as a memorial to remember what God gave and what I did and how God got me up on the third day I want you to do this in remembrance of me when upon the first day of the week so really what it boils down to when, when a religion does not do what the scriptures say by observing communion every first day of the week they are disrespecting and disregarding what God has done what they're saying is it means nothing to me you say brother May, well you can't say that because they do it once but how often does the Bible say do it well, let, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. If your child talked back to you and cursed you, would you find that acceptable? But what if they only do it one time? What, what if they curse you once a month? Every month they curse you. Huh? What if they only curse you once a month? Every first Sunday of the month, they come and curse you. They call your name. 
But the other three Sundays, they, they, don't, they don't say anything. Would that be okay? Why not? Well, how can, how can we understand that would not be acceptable when the Lord said this do in remembrance of me, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 and following, yeah. it outlines we are to examine ourselves. We are to look at the importance of what we're doing when we partake of this communion. That's right. That's right. So by disregarding and not observing it every first day of the week, we're telling God what you did just ain't that important. We're telling Jesus the suffering you went through and all of the, the torture you went through, it means nothing to me. Man has turned it into a big showmanship. Well, we do it every first Sunday. We do it every second Sunday. Where is it authorized in the scripture? Where does the truth speak concerning only doing it once a month? And to show you how preachers are lying and making merchandise of people, why is it in first, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Verses 1 and 2. Yeah. Yeah. In 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, it talks about collecting money. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, the same words you read in Acts 20 and 7 upon the first day of the week. Yeah. Read 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. Now, concerning the collection for the same. Now, now concerning the collection, we're talking about money here. Yeah. Go ahead. As I have given order to the churches of Galatia. As I have given order to the church of Galatia. Even so do ye. Even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week. Hold on. Upon the first day of the week, do what? Let every one of you. Let every one of you. Lay by him in store. Lay by him in store. In other words, what that is saying, upon the first day of the week, we're going to pass the collection plates around and we're going to take your money. Now, what religion do you know only take a collection once a month? Well, if they're smart enough to take your money every Sunday of the month, why aren't they giving you communion? That's right. Every first day of the week of the month. Same words upon the first day of the week. I challenge any of you, whatever church you attend, whatever religion you are part of, ask your preacher, why do you take my money every Sunday, but you will not give me communion every Sunday? Acts 20 and 7, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, say the same thing. Upon the first day of the week. Why is it you can take my money, but you can't allow me to fellowship in the importance of remembering my Savior being put to death and raised from the dead? And then they'll turn around and tell a lie, I love the Lord. Go ask your preacher. Better yet, read for yourself. If they're not doing it according to what the truth says, you need to go somewhere where the truth is being taught. Is that all right? Oh, I, I got to deal with this before I leave. 
talking about these religious names. Yeah, right. Oh, brother, why don't y'all meet me over there in, in, in 1 Timothy? Y'all, y'all meet me over there talking about, talking about these women preachers. Come on, come on now. I know I won't be, I won't be nobody friend after this. That's all right. And talking about the other religious types. We are in a society now where people will label anybody with any kind of title. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. People running around, they want to call everybody reverend and everybody want to call themselves reverend. They want to be, they want to be revered. They want to, they want people to put them up on a pedestal. Come on now. Go take one class of reading the Bible and now they are reverend. But let me tell you something about that word reverend. Yeah. In Psalms 111. Yeah, that's it. And verse 9. Yes, sir. Let me share with you about that word reverend. The Bible says, listen to me. The Bible says, he sent redemption unto his people. Yeah, yeah. He commanded his covenant forever. Yeah. Holy and reverend is God's name. Now, can I spend a few minutes on that? There's not a man walking around on this earth, nor a woman, who has sent redemption unto anybody. There's not a man or woman walking on this earth who has commanded a covenant forever. The Bible says he sent redemption. Yeah. Unto his people. Who is the only one that sent redemption. That we might be saved today. That was God. That's right. He commanded his covenant forever. That's God. It says holy and reverend is his name. Well if holy and reverend is God's name. Why would you put a man on the same level with God? Or even worse, why would you lower God down to the level of a man? Amen. Amen. Sorry, this, this ground might be wet out here, but you know what? It's, this is some good teaching. Oh, yes, sir. This is some good teaching. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If holy and reverend is God's name, who authorized any man or woman to put REV in front of their name? When you meet someone who called themselves reverend or sign their name reverend or demand you call them reverend, what they are telling you is I am on the same level of God. Better yet, they're telling you I am God. Now, now the dumbest of the dumbest know better than that. So you telling me a man calls himself reverend, he's telling you he is God, and you're going to keep following behind him? Let me tell you what Jesus said in Matthew 25. Jesus said in Matthew 25, we are all brethren. We are all brethren. He said, you don't call no man on this earth father. Amen. In the Catholic religion, they, oh, holy father. 
in the Jewish rabbi, father, master. Jesus said, you don't call any man on this earth by those names. Only one is your father and he's where? In heaven. Read for yourself. Matthew chapter 25. Out of the mouth of the truth. He said, for we are all brethren. Jesus didn't even charge anybody to call him reverend. Now isn't that amazing? Somebody who got up from the dead did not even say, call me reverend. Jesus said, I'm your brother. I'm also your savior. But when you're added into Christ, I'm your brother. You don't read anywhere in the New Testament where Jesus said, call me reverend. He said, we are all brethren. You don't call any man on earth your father. Talking spiritually now. You don't call them master. But yet you got people walking around. The first thing they want to do, call themselves. I'm, this is Reverend so-and-so. This is this. In other words, let, let's interchangeably use this. This is God. I want to introduce you to God. Well, what is God? Now, the, the, the one true living God I know, you know what? He said, I am that I am. So what maybe what you need to start doing is, hey, I want you, I want to introduce you to I am. Because they're saying they commanded, they sent redemption unto their people, right? They commanded their covenant forever, right? They're saying holy and reverend is their name, so they need to say, uh, this is I am. Right. Now you say to yourself, I ain't that crazy. Right. I, I pray that you're not. Right. But being that you're not that crazy, you need to stop following people who are. That's right. That's right. Oh, let me go and get down to the nitty gritty. Come on, are we clear that no man is to wear the name Reverend? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are the folks sitting on the porch clear on the fact that we shouldn't call no man Reverend? Yeah, yeah. Psalm 111, verse 9. If you don't remember anything else, remember that one. Ask your preacher, why do you call yourself something that's only reserved for God? Now, if your preacher can do what God can do, you need to give me his phone number. Because I know some dead folks I would like to get up. Amen. Yeah. I got some aches and pains I need for him to heal. All right. And if your preacher is that holy and has all that power, why do, we, why do he need health insurance? How come he wear glasses? Why he doing all the things the common people doing? But anyway. Nowhere in the New Testament did God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit ever authorize a woman to preach. 
right. Now, let, let, let me make something clear. All through the New Testament, women served God. Yeah. Women served Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Women did great works. Man. Let me say that again. All through the New Testament, yeah. women have done great works. Yeah. Women served Jesus. Yeah. Women are even recognized throughout the scriptures That's right. for great and remarkable things that they have done in the service of, of helping the apostle Paul, Peter, and others yeah. who were on the Lord's side. Yeah. But the New Testament never, nowhere in it. And I'm going to go out on the limb on this one. And I know y'all will hear me on this one. I'll give you $100 tonight. I'll up it to $200. You show me anywhere in the New Testament, better yet, show me anywhere in the Bible. Where God authorized a woman to preach. He never did. But that is no put down to women. That is no shameful thing to women. Right. Women have always served God faithfully. Amen. Titus chapter 2, it outlines all of an awesome responsibility that women have in the church yeah. concerning their work and their service. Yeah. It says the older women, the aged women, are to be sober minded. They are to present themselves in holiness that the word of God be not blasphemed so that they may teach the younger women how to be keepers at home. Teach them how to love their husbands, their own husbands. You know, I love the Bible. It always put own. When it it talks about husbands or wives, it's their own. It ain't, it ain't nowhere in the Bible to tell you how to go love somebody else's husband or wife. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's the teachers at home yeah. how to love their husbands, their own husbands. Yeah. How to be discreet, how to be modest, how to conduct themselves in holiness. Yeah. Folks always talking about, well, you, 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 you sounding like Women ought to be slaves. No. The only slave a woman need to be to is to Jesus. Amen. And a man should be the slave just the same to Jesus. But the Bible never indicated for a woman to preach. Brother, you know where I'm going. The Bible teaches why God never authorized a woman to preach. A lot of preachers ain't going to tell you this because a lot of women get mad and they don't want to hear. And believe it or not, it goes back to the garden. It goes all the way back to the garden with Adam and Eve. Brother, you over there where I'm going? Chapter 3. Huh? Yes, sir. Let's start there. Because you got a lot of women running around talking about their bishops. <laughs> chapter 3, verse 1. 
This is a true saying. This is a true saying. If a man desires the office of a bishop. If a man desires the office of a bishop. Now, listen to this. This is a what? True saying. Yeah. Why, why is that word there? Because it ain't made up. This is a true saying that if a man, we're talking about masculine. We're talking about, we ain't talking about a woman who has shaved her head and want to be buff. Come on now. We're talking about masculinity. We're talking about male. Yeah. I was going to say something else, but I ain't going to do that. But we're talking about a man. If a man desires to what? The office of a bishop. Keep going. He desires a good work. He desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless. A bishop must be blameless. The husband of one wife. The husband. How can a woman be a husband? I know Ellen DeGeneres tell that lie. But she ain't no husband. The Bible says a bishop must be the husband. The husband, and we all know, it don't take a rocket scientist to understand, a husband relates to being a male. Amen. Amen. And not a sister. Amen. The husband of one wife. Amen. What else? Vigilant. Vigilant. Sober. Sober. A good, uh, a good behavior. A good behavior. Given to hospitality. Given to hospitality. Apt to teach. Apt to teach. Keep not, going. Not given to wine. Not given to wine. No striker. He can't be a drunkard and he can't be out there wanting to fight everybody. Yeah. Keep going. Not greedy, a filthy looker. Not greedy, not money hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Can't be hungry for money. Got to be trustworthy in the sight of God Man. and handling the business of God. Man. Keep going. But patient. But patient. Not a brawler. Not a brawler. Not covetous. Not covetous. One that ruleth well his own house. One that ruleth well his own house. Not her own house. His own house. We're back to the masculine definition. His own house. Why is that important? Ephesians chapter 5. 22 and following. Yep. For the head, for the husband is the head of the wife. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what the truth says. Yeah. The husband is the head of the wife, and the wife is to submit unto the husband in everything. Yeah. But the husband is to submit unto Christ Man. in everything. Man. Man. So it goes back a ruler. Who does well in his own house. Yeah. Then yeah. said that the woman ruled a man. That's right. That's right. Didn't say that. Well, how in the world can a woman be a bishop? Okay. And when you look at the word bishop, there's another word that means the same pastor. There's another word that means the same overseer. Yeah. Overseer, bishop, pastor, all three of those words mean the same thing. And all three disqualifies a woman to serve. Man, right. Man. So when people come up to you 
And when these men introduce their wives as this is Pastor Shirley, whatever, she must be the ruler of her house. And she must not be what she appear to be. That's right. That's right. She, even if she had an operation, she's still what God brought her into this world as. And she disqualified. Amen. Amen. To make a long story short, a woman cannot be a bishop. A woman cannot oversee and be the head of Christ's church. Amen. Now, she can be an overseer, a bishop, or, 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 or of her own church. Yeah. But it's not abiding in the truth. That's right. That's right. Because if something abides in the truth, it's going to be in accordance to what you read in the Bible. Now, I might need to go back. You were over in what, chapter 3? We need to go back. Back to 2. Where I suffer not a woman. Verse 11. Verse 11. 1 Timothy 2. Am I right? Huh? I want to make sure the folks on the porch and around know this. 1 Timothy chapter 2. I don't want them throwing rocks at me when I leave for not telling the truth. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. Let the woman learn in silence. Let the woman learn in silence. Yeah. Hold on. Let the woman learn in silence. Yeah. Yes. With all subjection. With all subjection. Now, some folks say, well, how can a woman sing if she to learn in silence? Let's keep it in context. Let the woman learn in silence. Yeah. Meaning, if she's learning, somebody up teaching. She is not the one to be up there teaching. So she needs to sit quietly. Let the woman learn in silence and all subjection, what else? Now remember, this is Paul writing an apostle of Jesus Christ, right? I'm not making this up, but I suffer not a woman to teach. What else? Nor usurp authority, meaning taking over the position or overruling the man. The Bible says, suffer not a woman to disrespect, overrule, push out the way, or even substitute, swap places over the man. Keep going. But to be in silence. Keep going. Remember I said an explanation goes all the way back to the garden. Here's the explanation. What verse is that? Verse 13. Listen to me. Don't, don't, don't accuse me of lying. For Adam was first formed. Then Eve. I believe everybody agree with that. But listen to the rest of this explanation. And Adam was not deceived. And Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived. But the woman being deceived. Was in transgression. She committed the first transgression. Man. That's what the Bible says. She committed the first transgression. Don't call me. Don't call me a pig. A chauvinist. Call God that. Because God. Put the order there that the woman is not to usurp authority 
over the man. So that means even in a marriage relationship, go back to Ephesians 5, a wife is not to dishonor her husband by ruling over him, talking about him. Boy, I got quiet on that one. Because it's a dishonor to God. Because God put the order there. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, man, wife, children. And the problem with us today is we've allowed the children to come up and the children disrespecting and running everybody out of the house. And the wife and the children teaming up, beating the man down. But with all of it, everybody disrespecting God. But the Bible says the woman committed the transgression first. Therefore, guess what? Read the rest. It's very important. Read the rest. Back to verse 14. And Adam was uh, not deceived. Uh-huh. Being deceived was in transgression. She was in transgression. Notwithstanding. Notwithstanding. She shall be saved in childbearing. Her punishment was, you know why women go through so much pain? Tribal and, and, and tribal and, and all of this doing child delivery. It goes back to Eve. She said. Yeah. You know what? Childbirth should have been the most wonderful experience in the world. Yeah. Spit that joke out and just go on about your business. <laughs> you wouldn't need no epidural. You don't need no C-section. You don't need all that stuff. All this came by way of Eve. It's right there in the Bible. Right there. But listen, listen to what he said about the man. Well, that that end. The woman. (laughs) What what happens with the man as a result of following what the wife did? He was cursed. And God said, "From the sweat of your brow, you're gonna work, Joker. You're gonna work, man. Can you imagine how good it would have been if Adam, if if they had not sinned?" We would have lived in the garden not knowing what sin was. We would have had it made. Every day was paradise. Every day was an easy, good way of living. But because of sin, it messed everything up. And God said to the man, you're going to work, you're going to sweat. And if you don't work, you don't eat. And folks got a lot of y'all fool talking about retiring. <laughs> Ain't no retiring. God said the curse is you're going to work. Well, if God said you're going to work and you're going to sweat from your brow, when did he change it? You, you listen to the folks you've given your money to if you want to. Talk about planning your future. Planning a great retirement. When did God change his mind? I'm not saying you can't save. I'm just simply saying the, the truth says you're going to work. That's right. I'm going to work till I die. You're going to work till you die. That's right. That's right. 
showing you these crazy commercials sitting up on the beach doing nothing. You think you're going to do that? <laughs> Folks, I'm going to shut this thing down. Jesus said, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. That's what Jesus said. So if you're going to offer worship unto God, because everything we do, we have to offer it through Jesus. We have to come by way of Jesus because Jesus said in John 14, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So if we expect what we offer in our worship to be acceptable unto God, we have to abide in the truth. So you cannot continue to worship somewhere with a religion doing things that are not authorized according to the truth. Because you are not on the side of the Lord. Because the Lord commands that we worship in spirit and in truth. John chapter 4. We read it. So if you're not in spirit and in truth, you can't be on the side of the Lord. Well, if you're not on the side of the Lord... What are you going to say to him when you stand before him in judgment? You going to be like Nadab in the bayou? I just figured I could just offer you anything. Let me tell you, God ain't no dog. That's right. That's right. You could throw your dog. Matter of fact, most folks don't even do that anymore. Dogs used to eat whatever we ate. And whatever scrappings were left, we threw it out to them. That's when we had real dogs. But now the veterinarians tell you, don't, don't get that dog that. That dog needs special food. That dog needs this medication. That dog, let me tell you something. If you've got that much more respect for a dog, All right, for his health and, and, and making sure he's taken care of, how much more regard and respect should you have for God? Right. right now. Whose side are you on tonight? Yeah. Jesus said... If you love the truth and if you are on the side of the truth, you will obey the things that he said. Matthew chapter 7. And I'm closing. Matthew 7, verse 21. Jesus said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of God. He said, many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, haven't we prophesied? Haven't we cast out devils? Haven't we done many wonderful things in thy name's sake? That sounds good, don't it? Sound like some sincere people. Sound like some people who have been busy in their lives. Prophesied. Casting out devils. Doing many wonderful works. And they say they did it in the name of the Lord. But the sad part is. Jesus had a response. Jesus said. And I will profess unto them. What? Depart from me. 
You workers of lawlessness. You workers of iniquity. In other words, everything you did, it wasn't for me. You did it the way you wanted to do it. You did it how you wanted to do it. You glorified yourself. You didn't do it for me. Right. Depart from me. Yeah. I never knew you. Man. Man. That's the truth. Yes, sir. Now you go spend your life however long God allows you to live. Doing it the way you feel. Doing it the way you think is right. Why do you think we had a Bible? You ain't got to think. You can go to heaven without thinking. All you need to do is read the Bible and obey it. Man. You don't even need to think. God already thought it out for you. Man. Some of us think we're so smart. I'm gonna praise him how I want to. How come I can't? How come God gave me the talent to play a guitar? How come I can't come to church and demonstrate my talent? With my good talk. God may give you the talent to work on a car. You don't pull it up in the church building and, 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 and swap the engine. You don't tune it up in worship. All right now. All right now. God may have given you the talent to braid hair. You don't sit up and worship braiding folks' hair. Right now. Make it fly. Let's be for real. Yeah. God gives us all different talents. Man. But when it comes to worship, God said, I know how I want to be worshipped. Man. Man. He ain't interested in what you want to do. Right. He saved us. Yeah. He don't need us. We need him. Man. So I'm asking you tonight, whose side are you on? Yeah. Jesus said, if you're on his side, you're going to listen to it. And you're going to listen to the truth. Man. You're going to obey it. Man. And another truth that he spoke was. If you want to be saved. You got to do it on his terms. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Matthew 16, 24. Jesus said, if any man will come after me. Let him first deny himself. Before you can go talking about. Bearing a cross, picking up a cross. Jesus said, the first thing you need to do is get you out of the way. I don't need you to tell me where you want to go. Jesus said, I am the way. I need you to go where I tell you to go. Some of us want to go to heaven on our terms. And get to heaven and raise hell. But I ain't worrying about that because you won't get there. If any man would come after me, let him first deny himself, then pick up his cross and follow Jesus. That's right, that's right. Now, if you're willing to get yourself out the way, you'll be willing to go on with the other things that he charged us to do. Mark 16 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Jesus said. You must be born again. You must be born again. You must be born of the water and of the spirit. He ain't talking about sprinkling. He ain't talking about The Bible says baptism is a burial. When, 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 When that uni was leaving worship from Jerusalem out in the desert, 
Folks used to say, what if I'm out in the desert and I decide I want to get saved? Well, what do you think that man was? In the desert. Traveling along in the desert. And God knew his heart. So he sent one Philip unto him. That's right. And Philip adjoined himself and asked him why that man was reading the scriptures. Do you understand what you're reading? That unit said, how can I except a man teach me? And the Bible said that he adjoined himself unto that man. And they began where he was reading and he taught him Jesus. But along the way in the desert, guess what they came across? Same thing that failed today. Same thing we sitting in right now. What? And that man recognized from the teaching that he received, he needed to be baptized. He commanded the chariot to stop. He said, see, there's water. What does hinder me from being baptized? Philip said, if thou believest, thou may. He said, I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God. The chariot stopped. They both got down. They both went down into the water. They get no cup and pour on somebody's head. The Bible said, they came, he came up out of the water. How do you come up out of a sprinkle? (laughs) Baptism is a burial. And you are buried, Romans 6, 3 and 4 and following, we are buried with Christ in baptism. We are buried with Christ in baptism. It is a burial. And it's in that burial where you come in contact by faith with the blood of Jesus that cleanses us of our sins. That's right. That's right. Colossians chapter 1, where that transformation transformed us from the kingdom, from the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. Yeah. I said enough tonight. I said enough that somebody should have a change of heart. Right now, man. I said enough that should cause somebody to pick up the phone and call their preacher, or better yet, just make up in their mind, bump that preacher. I'm gonna call one of these folks from the Church of Christ and study some more. That's what we believe in. Book, chapter, and verse. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. That's what we're feeding. Because that's the only thing that's going to get us to heaven. If you're here tonight, whether you're under this tent or whether you're sitting on the porch, wherever you are, you can come. You can come. This is your night. This is your time. So what what do I need to do? Just come over here and tell us. Tell us you want to be saved. Tell us I want to study with you. I want to learn more. Put your pride to the side because your pride ain't going to get you to heaven. We're serious about you going to heaven. We're serious about letting you know 
what the truth really is. Amen. Jerry, you got a song? 613. 613 is an invitation song. We're getting ready to stand and sing. And this is to invite you to come give your life to Jesus so that you can truly become his child in accordance to what the Bible says. Let us sing. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing? Why are you washed in 